0: Sports Talk, Mississippi. Ah. Ah. On your radio and in the game, right here on Super Talk, Mississippi.
1: Ah. One more
2: day. I know college football started, but you guys get my point. One more day until we really get started with the college football season. And we start today with some breaking news for tomorrow's game and a lunch bet, right? We settled on lunch. It's not dinner or or, or steak. It's a lunch bet between myself, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad for tomorrow's Florida-Utah game. I'm going to win this thing. Now, you're not supposed to count your chickens before they hatch, knock on wood, whatever. Which is what you're doing. I'm feeling confident about this, though. According to Pete Thamel, Utah quarterback Cam Rising, who, by the way, Richard's off today. I don't know what he He's somewhere. Uh, He has spent the last (laughs) how many weeks telling me that, oh, Cam's going to play. Oh, he's going to play. You're wrong. He's going to play. He's going to play. He's going to play. No, he's not. Not according to Pete Thamel at ESPN. He is doubtful to play against Florida tomorrow. Bryson Barnes, the junior walk-on, and apparently a guy named Nate Johnson are expected to play quarterback for Utah against Florida tomorrow at
1: home. The issue isn't who's playing quarterback or who isn't playing quarterback for Utah. The issue is who's playing quarterback for Florida and how many times he's going to give the ball to Utah tomorrow. They're still going to win. You think so? Even
2: without Cam Rising, yes. with a walk-on quarterback, you yes. think they're beating Florida?
1: They'll just run the football, and they'll play defense, and they'll win. Whittingham will make it ugly. He loves it ugly. Yeah, we're going to have to like do the pre-fight picture.
2: You know, fists up. <laughs> Tomorrow, yeah, looking uh, yeah. looking forward to that.
1: I wish this remote was on. Thir- I was on Friday. That way, I could no, just go ahead not. and get the, 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 the this, you know we could just get it paid off.
2: We will be uh, in Oxford at College Corner tomorrow. Come by and see us if you are in the area. Getting you ready for uh, a big night <clears throat> tomorrow night in college football. You've got Nebraska, Minnesota as well. Also, huge huge game uh, in Paladin Stadium in beautiful Greenville, South Carolina. Furman hosting Tennessee State, I think. So, yeah, a big lineup of games uh, tomorrow. But, no, those are um, those are good. Missouri and South Dakota also tomorrow if you just really want to see – I want to say it's an SEC team, but mostly just like an SE team. I, I don't know if they fit in the conference or not. But, uh, yeah, Missouri plays tomorrow as well. There's uh, a lineup of games, but those are the the two more key ones. And uh, big news, uh, if you didn't load up on Florida, you might want to – 1 2 now i'm Borky again he's Hey dad uh 6018794395 is the text line if you want to be a part of the conversation that's how you do it the C Spire text line please be safe when you're texting us use the voice text feature i got a new phone recently i had an iphone 7 up until a few weeks ago and boy they have improved the a voice 7 i had a 7 yeah oh my gosh until a few weeks ago and they have dramatically improved the voice text feature it's much yeah. better now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> a lot of features have been improved uh since from 7 to where we are now. What do you have now?
2: A 13? So not the newest oh, you're doing one than but me. the step below?
1: No, yeah. I have I have an 11. So
2: I still have the the three camera
1: lenses, which is yeah, just I only I only have two camera lenses. Wow. So. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. I'm very behind the times. I know. I know. <laughs> but I didn't have a 7 last week, my goodness. That thing was a piece. I'll be honest. Of I don't think I ever had a seven. I think I think I went straight to eight from Android. Okay, so that's a nice jump.
2: I had to. I it yeah. could It wouldn't. Like I, I couldn't plug headphones into it anymore. Like it just that part of it stopped working. It would still charge, but I would have to like manipulate the the cord in a way where it, like bent underneath the phone, and like the cord had to go underneath the phone. And sit yeah. just right for it to charge, and I, I let it go on like that for a year and a half, probably. Uh, I, I don't like getting not, new things; it's just not—it's
1: not my thing. I, just, I don't like spending money. It's a big weirdo, Borky. They, just let's just be honest: it's just a big weirdo. Yeah. Every time
2: I have to give somebody my debit card, it makes me uncomfortable. Every single time, I hate it.
1: I'm just happy you eat. You know, I'm just happy that you're still buying food. I do eat. I yeah, you know,
2: you at can. the grocery store, so I, I go to Kroger most of the time. At the end of the aisles, there's always like we're trying to get rid of this stuff, so it's marked off like seventy five percent. At the end of every aisle, they've got really that's most of where my shopping gets done. Like bought a big box of Reese's puffs for like a dollar twenty five yesterday.
1: You and Robbie Falk cannot say that word. You can't say that word. You don't know how to pronounce the word. Reese's. It's not Reese's. Reese's, thank you, because it's Reese's Pieces. It rhymes for a reason. Thomas, you are
2: a drug dealer. Thomas says, I have an 8, 10, and 11. Not a drug dealer, just have three phones for work. Anytime somebody says, I'm not a drug dealer.
1: That's exactly what a drug dealer would say. That's
2: exactly what a drug dealer would say.
1: So, I'm glad... Is Thomas in Greenwood the one who uh, texted you the other night? May have been. Yeah, yeah.
2: Somebody said you're cheaper than me. Yeah, I'm. I'm very cheap. Somebody says Michael might be the most conservative person on sports talk Mississippi. Fiscally, yes. Very fiscally. <laughs> absolutely when it when it comes to my money and who takes it and who benefits from from my work yes fiscally very very much I don't know about uh, the other stuff
1: <laughs> Borky do you buy the gray hamburger meat that is about to expire please tell me you don't
2: no not hamburger meat I, I won't I won't okay. go that far but yeah I do make Borky, sure they're like
1: oh reduced oh okay
2: and I use cashback apps now like Ibotta is one that I use it goes in there and you, you can there, there's only select items but, like, right now, for example, I don't know how we even got here, but it's fine. I'm cheap, and we'll, uh, I've got a college football thought we'll get to next relating to the Ole Miss and State game this weekend, and I'm going to see if Haydad agrees or, or disagrees with me about what we should take away from the games in Oxford and Starkville this weekend, considering the opponent and, frankly, how uncompetitive the game should be and what we should take away from it. But, like, uh, on, on this app that I use, this is how cheap I am, guys. It, it's a cashback app, and it gives you a, a lineup of things that your select grocery store is offering right now at some kind of a discount. So I I, I get – I like yogurt, a company called Noosa. I get 75 Noosa. About cents back Noosa, yeah. for – I have to buy three of them, but 75 cents back for each – yogurt that i buy and so i have to i have to buy it and then use the app and scan my receipt and it'll give me
1: we, that money we are back. only we're only like six months away from you being on an episode of extreme couponers <laughs> and you're buying like eight boxes of tide because you end up getting them free because you're using the right coupons you're gonna be that person that see, they see you pull it up to aisle 13 and they're just like oh god not him <laughs> I guess I'm going to go to self-checkout. Borky's in the, in the checkout lane right now. I'm not going to lie. You know how,
2: like, once a month, you're, like, a bunch of coupons and all that stuff just comes in the mail all at one time? Yeah. I thoroughly yes. look through every single one. Every that's, single that's one. Borky's
1: favorite day. It's like, it's coupon day. But it, it's, Ooh, 75 cents off Del Monte green beans. <laughs> Get some of those. James, you like green beans? No. Oh, too bad. We're
2: going to be eating them. He he definitely, uh, definitely does not. Uh, We get one message. Uh, My dad has a flip phone, gave $30 for it, had it for five years. He could have it for five more, I bet.
1: Uh.
2: We use technology in this country used to be durable and lasting.
1: (laughs) Thomas and Greenwood is now
2: telling you to open multiple bank accounts. He is a drug dealer. He is a drug dealer. Thomas, the A uh, what is it? Is it
1: ATF? Is that who? Yeah, Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms. Yeah, they're, they're, they're coming, coming to see you, Thomas. Brother.
2: They probably already know who Thomas. You, you are. need to
1: change phones, change phones, and change accounts now. <laughs> Next that... week we'll be getting texts from 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 George and in Glendora. That's Thomas. <laughs> it's me, Thomas.
2: There's an old legend uh, in my neighborhood. I think it's true. I mean, it, it did happen, but in my neighborhood, where uh, some some pot dealers or growers, I should say, got caught, and they were in, in our neighborhood, growing in our neighborhood, they were because
1: in your neighborhood, growing marijuana,
2: marijuana, and they only got caught because it snowed, and an officer. This is the story. I don't know if it's true or not and an officer was driving in our neighborhood, and their roof didn't have any snow on it, and everybody else's did because they were growing in their attic where they had a bunch of heat lamps and stuff, and so it was hot, and oh. the snow didn't stick to their roof, and that's when
1: they got busted. That's, I'll tell you what, that's actually good detective work. That's thats a good job by the police there of going, like, that's not right. Yeah,
2: that does that up. So I don't know if it's yeah. true or not, but uh, that that is a when I moved into the neighborhood, uh, a few people that I know that live in town told me that hey, like up the street is where those people got busted because it snowed. Anyway, six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five. Promise we'll get to football next because I was thinking about something last night and I want to bring it to Hey It's kind of cynical, but I think that we need to be realistic about what we're going to see on the field this Saturday and what we should take away from what we see on the field this saturday so we'll be right back we'll talk about that sports talk mississippi in the pearl river resort studio don't go anywhere
0: this this is sports talk mississippi right here on supertalk.fm the supertalk mississippi app and always live on your local supertalk mississippi radio station
2: I'm Michael Borkis, Brian Haydad. Glad that you guys are with us on this Wednesday afternoon of Game Week. And on that note, thinking about this last night, wanted to bring it to the show today. Because the question is, you know, what can we learn this weekend? What are we going to learn? What do you want to see? All those conversations, and we'll have them. We'll even do the two questions thing uh, on Friday. There, there are things in these games that, that you can learn. But in terms of positives, and forgive me if this is a little bit cynical, uh, I think there's very little, uh, if any, true, like overarching positive things that we can take away from these games. I think that it's really simple it's three things that we can take away from these games. Personnel, meaning who starts, quarterback at Ole Miss, for example, and what that distribution is like, who starts at safety at Mississippi State, what is the offensive line, stuff like that. Who starts? Who's starting at wide receiver? Who's getting the the second team running back reps after Quinshawn Judkins? Those kind of things. Is Michael Trigg going to even play? Personnel you can take away. It's not positive or negative, it's just who played, and and that's noteworthy for Week 2. Next thing, unfortunately, is injuries. Knock on wood, they don't happen. But if they do, that is something that can be taken away from this game. And then three, it's if anything bad happens. If if Will Rogers plays poorly in the new system, if Jackson Dart plays poorly, if uh, a transfer portal receiver that you were depending on has a couple of drops, if the new defense at Ole Miss is struggling to get lined up correctly, if guys are missing tackles, those kind of things. But when the inevitable happens in these games, which is a dominating win, because Mercer cannot beat Ole Miss, and Southeastern Louisiana cannot beat Mississippi State, and I know that FCS teams have beaten FBS teams before, SEC teams have lost to FCS teams before, Ole Miss has, and so has Mississippi State in the past. It's not going to happen this year. They're going to be big, comfortable wins, and, and what I'm what I'm not going to do, and what I don't think people should do, is make sweeping positive takeaways from this game. And again, I know it's cynical, but like, if Jackson Dart plays well and looks good, there are going to be people that are going to do the, oh, wow, look, Dart is such improved from last year. He's so comfortable now, and It's Mercer. If he doesn't look really comfortable and exceptional against Mercer, it's a problem. But doing so doesn't mean that he's there either. Because it's Mercer. And if the the Mississippi State offense is is really good and they move the ball up and down the field and score touchdowns, you're going to get people that are going to do the same thing. Wow, wow, Will Willrods. The, the offense at Mississippi State is great. Barbe, I mean, there there is no problems. Barbe's offense works, and it, it's southeastern Louisiana. It better work, and it better look flawless because you are significantly better than them at every single spot on the field multiple times over in your roster. So wake me up in week two if you want to make positive sweeping judgments
1: about the team. Agree or disagree? Positive, yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough to, to, to come away from anything in these games. Now, negative is very easy. If these games are in doubt at any point, I mean, I'll, I'll just tell you, if you score less than 40, that's an issue, That's a red flag. If you give up more than 17, that's a red flag. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. There was a few years back, I, I'm trying to remember, but Ole Miss beat a team uh, they scored seven, it was, it was 20, uh, it was Southern, Illinois? It's, Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois. They scored 76 points. You're like, wow, that's great. And they gave up 41. And you're like, okay, obviously that that's a red flag. Yeah. So yeah, you can, you can find the negatives. I think the positives you can take away from these games is if somebody, you know, it's just looking the way you're supposed to look. You know, I talked, we talked about this actually in pretty good detail on tomorrow's Thunder and Lightning podcast. And that's. You know, I don't know that Rodgers throws more than 20 passes tomorrow or Saturday, right? I, I, tomorrow. I wish it was tomorrow. Uh, you know, 20 passes probably seems about right because he's not gonna, he shouldn't play the whole game. So what's his completion percentage on 20 passes? Can he complete 15, 16 out of 20, 17 out of 20? You know, because he shouldn't be under a lot of pressure, should have opportunities to throw the ball down the field. So that's something that you can take away from Go okay, you know, when he had time to throw. With Rodgers, another thing you want to look at is, is he making those deep throws? it doesn't matter if, if, if guys are wide open because they're, they're, they're running free against, you know, inferior defensive backs. It's, is Rodgers letting it fly and that ball's going 40, 50 yards down the field? Because State needs to see that happen. With Dart, I guess it's, it's sort of the same thing. It's, you know, hey, is he completing passes at a high clip? That was an issue last year. Is he being careful with the football? Yeah, you know, with Judkins, I mean, my goodness, what do you really want to see, right? How many carries should Quinchon Judkins slide. this game? Slide, yeah. run out of run, bounds. Run out of bounds, yeah. But, I mean, he shouldn't have more than 10 carries in this game at all. Um, and then for Ole Miss, defensively, what I want to say, you can, I think Ole Miss defense, you can find some positives, right? Because there's so many questions there. So if they're dominant, if they hold Mercer under three yards a carry, they force turnovers, that's a really good sign. That's you know that's that's what you want to see. But if if Mercer is you know moving the football pretty well and they're they're putting some drives together and they put 17 on the board, that's that's a big red flag for me. So there, there are some positives for Ole Miss defensively. For State, it, it's going to be tough to, for me to come on here on 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 Monday and just be and give you any you know. Uh, superlatives or give you anything that I can just say, yeah, this is how this is going to be this year.
2: Yeah, and I feel like if you gave the coaches truth serum, despite both of them, uh, to their credit, uh, somehow not smiling through the the uh, over-complimentary, is that a word? Uh, they're compliments.
1: Of Complimentary. Their, they, Complimentary.
2: Yeah, but like they they took it to a next level in their press conferences about how they're going to have to be so prepared. And these are great programs, and and they they are for their level. I think they're both ranked, right? Is not Mercer and Seila both FCS ranked? I think they are. I'm I'm pretty sure they are. I know I know seela is yes. Mercer is as well, if I remember correctly, like 22nd or or whatever. But if you gave them truth serum, they would both tell you the same thing that. You know, playing poorly, yeah, that's an issue. But there's not a whole lot here, um, yeah, at all. So, uh, yeah, we uh, let's put it this way: Monday's show, this coming Monday's show, is going to sound a lot different than the next Monday's show. Yeah, more so for state than Ole Miss because, again, I, there are a lot of people that really think that the two lane game is going to be like this. Back and forth and so close. And, and and if it is, then Ole Miss is in trouble, considering what Tulane lost from a year ago and just kind of who they are as a program and, and from a roster perspective. But we'll come back here after the state-Arizona game with a lot that we have learned. And similarly with Ole Miss-Tulane. But I, I just I don't... It, it's, it's health for me. If anybody gets hurt, who starts? And then... You know, with Ole Miss, how are the quarterback snaps distributed? Is it Dart until the game's in doubt, and then they put Sanders in, or, or does does Kiffin keep the charade up for another week? Uh, wh- wh- how that is handled is interesting to me. How much Walker Howard do you get to see? Yeah.
1: That's another thing, though. What if you know they pull Dart, and the first guy on the field is Walker Howard?
2: That would make sense to me, honestly. You know, you want to get him as many reps as possible. He know. he he has more than. Twelve games of eligibility left. I Feel like you want to get him as much work as as possible. Um, weird dynamic yesterday, where where Ole Miss, you know, to a degree to their credit, giving both Dart and Sanders, or putting both Dart and Sanders in front of the media. Um, but what they did, hey dad, and so Spencer Sanders was asked about his relationship with Dart. And he called it cordial, is what he called it. Said that we don't go out for ice cream. And huh. and I'm paraphrasing, and you can parse words, and so maybe he didn't mean it this way, of course, but said something along the lines of, "Yeah, I wanted to to know who the best guy was before I got here." And that quote was cut out of the video that Ole Miss posted of both quarterbacks' media opportunities. They cut. Spencer Sanders talking about his relationship with Dart out of the video that they posted for people to see if the reporters on the ground hmm. didn't didn't write the quote down they would have like never would have known it, never known. it, it was it, Dart's clearly frustrated uh, which can be a good thing if he channels it and turns it into motivation and doesn't pout about it but interesting dynamic yesterday from the two of them where you had to or they felt like they had to. Delete a quote from one of them, and the other one is openly. I, I'm frus. Yeah, I'm frustrated.
0: Yeah,
1: interesting. I I don't know how that's going to turn out. We'll see. We uh, we shall see.
2: Six year one eight seven nine forty three ninety five. Your texts, When we come back, a lot of them have come in on this. So we'll read some of those. Uh, we've got a couple of guests later. We'll talk college football stuff with David Cobb. We also will continue our preview of the SEC, South Carolina, on the docket today. We've got a Big 12 team and our countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. A really funny story about Nick Saban that we'll tell you about later. And, of course, we're going to give away a couple of two today. Genteel Polos. All that coming your way, but your messages when we come back.
1: Everything that just we just talked about with State and Ole Miss, it applies to Southern Mississippi as well. They sh- they should dominate Allcorn on Saturday. They should they should be in complete control of that game, and that's a game where maybe we can take some positives because if we see good, competent quarterback play, then you know what a change. You know we're feeling good. We're feeling good about what you where USM is there. So, but but Gore is kind of the same way as Judkins, right? I mean, if slide. he gets more than 10 carries, that's not right. Yeah, slide, go out of bounds, take care of yourself, bigger games to come. But I, I think USM should should win by the same margin that Mississippi State and Ole Miss win. You
2: would think so. And
1: uh, if, if not,
2: then uh, you might have some concerns like this message. If State and Ole Miss don't win by big margins, the takeaway is going to be a long, bad season. By the way, stat of the day. I saw this. I have to bring it up because I don't know where else we'll uh, put it. Remember JT Daniels? The former five-star who that guy? Uh, quarterback who is now at Rice. We talked about him on Monday. Yeah, yeah, he's at Rice yeah. now. He will start a game at Texas for the third time in his college career, each yes, of which this. for a different team.
1: <laughs> so what, USC, Georgia, West Virginia, uh, West Virginia, and now he's at Rice. Yeah. And so who played? Who played Texas then? I assume USC. I guess. Okay. Because I know Georgia hasn't played Texas outside of that Sugar Bowl, but JT Daniels didn't didn't quarterback that. I don't think. Oh, was that Georgia? Yeah, but yeah, Georgia wasn't the quarterback. Uh, JT Daniels wasn't the quarterback in Georgia for that one. So. Yeah gosh that's a that's an insane stuff. JT Daniels is like one of those guys where like do we need to have an intervention and just say you know you were a great high school quarterback man and you've had some moments as a college player but you know you're 26 I don't know how old he is but he's got to be like 24 25 it's like maybe it's time to start thinking about life outside of this great sport <laughs> Uh, he and Kedon Slovis need to have a little get, a little get, come to uh, come together meeting.
2: Apparently, Rice's coach is
1: thrilled
2: to uh, to have him. Speaking of Rice, Adam says, "I remember a few years ago, State almost lost to Rice on Homecoming night."
1: So I didn't remember this, so I looked it up, and Adam, uh, you're just wrong on this one. <laughs> what what years he talking Last time about? time State pl- well, the States only played Rice twice. Once was in 1975. State won that game, but it was forfeited later by the NCAA. And the other other time they have played him was in Dak's sophomore year in the Liberty Bowl, where they beat him forty-four to seven. So I don't, I don't, I don't know where we're going here.
2: Another message. Plus, the meat of the Rebel schedule is coming earlier this year, so no quick judgment after game one. But by game six, the spirits are going to be high for us fans, or simply hoping for a decent bowl game. Yeah, it, it does get real faster, not for sure. Now, you know they can be three and zero, go to Tuscaloosa and lose, and the season's not lost. Uh, right. So, yeah, week six. If you told if you told me what their record was in week six, then I mean I could tell you everything about how the season's going to finish. Honestly, I mean, they're, yeah. they're, gonna they're they're going to get tested. they they're going to get tested to some degree in New Orleans. I think Georgia Tech presents a bigger challenge to them than Tulane will. Uh, mm-hmm. but all that's just going to be a warm up for the three games that follow. Alabama, yeah. LSU, Arkansas before your bye week.
1: Yeah. It's not as much of a preseason as Ole Miss had last season, but it is definitely, you know, three warm up games isn't the right word because Tulane is a top 25 team, Georgia Tech is a power 5 team. Uh you know, you never know what's going to happen in those games, but yes, you're correct that Ole Miss should be 3 and 0 when they go to Tuscaloosa. Mississippi State should be 2 and 0. When Baton Rouge, when uh, when LSU comes to Starfield. yeah. So, hopefully that you know those two teams can take care of their business and set themselves up to have those big games. Otherwise, yeah, if State loses to Arizona, if Ole Miss were to drop one for Georgia Tech or to Tulane, yeah, that means that you know it's going to be a rough season.
2: Joe says, and Joe, I'm going to get, um, I'm going to split hairs with you here. He says, a positive is no mistakes or stupid penalties, but that's what should happen. Yeah, that, that should be like a baseline expectation. So, again, if if there's very few penalties in either game, I'm not going to sit here and be like, "Man, great job not getting penalized." You're not supposed to. That's that's a baseline expectation for your team to to know what they're doing and understand where they're going, just, where they're supposed to be, and not doing dumb things.
1: Just playing a clean game yeah. is what you want in this. In this, especially when you're talking about. In the second half, when you should have younger guys out there, you want to see them keep their execution clean as well. Yeah.
2: Chase sums it up well. There's either a lot to talk about on Monday or nothing at all. If State puts up a bunch of yards and points, that's what should have happened. If they don't, we've got a lot to talk about. Same thing for Ole Miss on the other side of the ball. If they don't give up much of anything, and in these games, I mean, you know, you give up late touchdowns and stuff when you're third and fourth teamers and young guys get in there. So, like, if almost doesn't pitch a shutout, how did the points come and when did they come? But, yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, a lot or uh, or nothing at all. You know, their message state will pitch a shutout, and Ole Miss will allow one kickoff return for a touchdown. That's from Hot Sauce. Very specific take. I like it. Uh-huh.
1: State pitching a shutout would be great. I mean, uh, they you know, they normally have given up points in these FCS games, so we'll see what happens.
2: Let me send us a screenshot of uh, a reminder that CBS will be doing Big Ten games this year. I did not know that um, They've got a few. Gary and Brad are off the SEC this year already, though.
1: I did not know that. They're not. They're, they're, not, they're not. Okay, so that's what yeah, on they, three they, said. They, they, but week one, they have a Big Ten game. Okay. And then they, they, CBS has some Big Ten games. But they, yeah, They still got one more year of, of the SEC on CBS. Keith wants
2: to know what's up with the Saints getting a 30-year-old rookie kicker. Uh Gilkin wasn't good oh. enough anymore. I mean, it's really wow. that simple. The NFL's cutthroat, man. It really is. There's you know, the team camaraderie and and locker room guys and all that stuff is very important. That's why if you're the Saints, you you pay Cam Jordan more than he's probably worth at this stage of his career because he is a phenomenal locker room guy and leader. But when it comes to something like this, if you're a punter and you, haven't, you, you weren't good a year ago, frankly bad a year ago, and then you didn't have a good camp, they're going to replace you. And that's it. it. Regardless of how long you've been there, they're going to replace you. And so uh, their, their new punter, whose name's escaping me, I'll pull it up real quick, uh, has a fascinating story, though. So, yes, he's 30. He played Aussie Rules football, uh, but then stopped for a while. Uh, Lou Headley's his name. Stopped for a while. He, uh, he worked for like a scaffolding production company and then moved to Bali to open a tattoo shop and then decided, I'm not done. I want to move to America and play football. And he played at like San Francisco City College or something for a year. And then Miami picked him up, and now he is a rookie punter for the New Orleans Saints.
1: You hear about it all the time.
2: And he is covered. It's so he's covered in tattoos, <laughs> I mean, head to toe. He he definitely owned a tattoo shop, and that would be punting for the Saints.
1: It's, it's a good story. It's always it, there's one thing that that I love about the NFL is usually once a year one of these kind of stories pops up, guy who hasn't been, you know, sort of like the rookie from uh, from that movie with Dennis Quay, where there's some guy who hasn't been playing in a while just shows up and, like, where did this guy come from? So this year it's the Saints that's got that guy.
2: I wonder what he called his tattoo shop. That would be a good question to ask him in his first press conference.
1: Like, what was the name Well, I mean, it? it was in Bali. Like, I don't know what the native language of Bali is. So, you know, maybe it was in, you know. I don't know. That would be a good question. Honestly, I would ask I don't, it. I don't yeah. know what they speak in Indonesia. If we either. need to get. We need to get Luke Johnson on the uh, the case. That, so we need to get. I'm sorry. We need to get Saints Luke Johnson on the case there, and because uh, you got to specify on this show. Which oh, Luke they, they speak
2: Indonesian. About. They have their own language in Indonesia. There you go.
1: Guess what? I just learned that Indonesian was a language. I knew it was a country. I didn't know it was a language. Very good. And they also have Javanese. Javany, because Java is a country yeah. there. Yeah, Java. So, so It's not just a coffee, it's a country. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: but apparently uh, the, the reason they signed him is not so much about him being great, it's more about the previous punter being bad, and he, he may not be the long-term answer. That he didn't exactly have the best camp either, it's just he's cheaper, he was slightly they better. They could have waited a
1: and, day, the Jets cut Morstead, they could have just brought him back. But they brought Morstead right back. They did the whole yeah. the the cut and resign deal and eh, it's a, it's well, yeah, but nice, if had, but, you know if he if he clears waivers, the Saints could have put in a bid there.
2: That would have been nice. It would. Have. He'll probably end up in Denver with Sean Payton. Sean Payton's taking all of like the second and third teamers from the Saints. He's kind of a. a I don't. What, what is he doing there exactly with this? These are guys that he didn't play when he was the coach for the Saints. Like, he didn't play them. So it's not like he thinks that they're being misused because he signed a bunch of guys that this, that that he didn't play. So, why is he? It, it's bizarre. Sean Payton keeps signing, like, second and third and practice squad guys from the Saints to go play in Denver. It's weird. But, anyway. Russell Wilson stinks and they're going to lose a bunch of games and... We're going 17 to no. Who that? Uh, we'll
0: be right back. Street short. Ow! First Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoon starting at three on Supertalk.fm, the Super Talk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station.
2: this question on the text line. Is it just me or do you all see a little confidence in Kiffin? A lot of people have made that observation and asked about it and I I notice what they notice. I I mean, He's been at Ole Miss. This is year four so he's had four off seasons going into a season. One of which was COVID and so a lot of people were kind of down every day anyway considering how they had to operate. So maybe that is some of that. But yeah, in years past he hasn't spoken so glowingly about his team the way he has this one what does it mean though i don't know and so i'm i caution people to take everything a coach says with a grain of salt they are all liars in one way or another they they embellish the truth whether it be personnel or player health or or, or whatever i mean the, they keep things from the public like they are protecting the nuclear codes, and it's bizarre, but that's what they do. And so is this a product of Lane Kiffin actually liking his team? To some degree, I'm sure. He seems very comfortable with Pete Golding. That That's a big thing, is a lot more comfortable with what they're doing defensively this year as opposed to last year, with who's running it and how experienced he is and probably – has like a set it and forget it mindset when it comes to his defense now, as opposed to last year, there's a lot of growing pains with a first time defensive coordinator. And it it clearly did not work up to expectation. So maybe there's some of that, but it could be other stuff. Maybe he's just a happier guy. His, his daughter lives in town and just enrolled in school. And I don't know. It's could he be, playing it doing an act or could he be happier because he's got nine million dollars now does he I don't know reading too much into his positivity would be a mistake however you are not noticing nothing he does speak more glowingly about his team going into this season than he did last year or any year that he's been at Ole Miss
1: what does that mean though
2: I don't
1: know I have a question. Where are y'all hearing this? Because the press conferences you play on this show, he sounds like he'd rather be literally anywhere else in America the, than where he's sitting right there. Where are y'all hearing this confidence?
2: It's the it's oh, it's the words, not the. Uh, I, I gotta
1: listen deeper, huh? You, you gotta, you, I gotta listen closelier.
2: What everybody should do is read the transcripts because you're every, and that's the thing we we had textures when we played Lane the other day. It's oh, he sounded like he was high. No, that's him, and in that setting. <laughs> every single time he hates those things and you know frankly you know some people don't care this might bother some fans you're making 9 million dollars a year give 15 minutes of good to the people that cover your program every day and reach your fans every single day i think it's kind of i think it's lame that you you can't just kind of get through it for 15 minutes once a week i mean come on man Give give him a little more. These are people that have, that cover your program and, and and have direct communication with your fans. And the, anyway, but he's always like that. All four years, he's always like that. Every week, and so you've got to you got to hear the words and read the words because he does talk about this team differently. If you can somehow understand what he's, <coughs> he's saying, and in, in there, but yeah. He does speak about them differently, but it could mean okay. it could be nothing. I, I don't know. It's it's hard to read into stuff like that because you can on one hand say, you know, he's always honest. He, he he never embellishes. He's if it's bad, he'll tell you it's bad. If it's if it's good, he'll tell you it's good, and then turn around and say, ah, he's not telling the truth about quarterback. So now you're trying to selectively pick and choose what you think he's being coy with and what he's not, and that's just a mess. It, 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 reading into coaches can be a mess. I learn more from players, and they say less, but I learn more from players than I do coaches. I've learned more about the almost quarterback competition from listening to the players yeah. talk than Lane. Yeah. When the offensive linemen have their media ops the way a couple of them have spoken about Dart tells me, okay, that he's their guy. I don't know what their coach thinks, but the offensive line darts their guy, and they, and they say that. So I learn more from them than I do coaches often.
1: I mean, I agree. I agree. You know, you, you tend to get a little bit more of the straight the straight juice from the players. Coach, there, there's a reason it's called coach speak and not player speak. Yeah. And, but then occasionally you have guys like Will Rogers, who you know, especially last year, he opened his mouth and Mike Leach's voice came out. So uh, this comes off
2: like the Saban smiling takes. Oh, we've got a story for you later. We've got a story for you later on uh, on that one. So Jeff, uh, we have not seen the petition going around to reinstate that song. It, no petition is going to influence the decision to bring the song back. It, it's, they're not it's not going to happen it's never going to I mean what is it's it on change.org yeah it's no not going to happen we will uh, continue our tour around the SEC when we come back
0: You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888 808 8637 on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: And Hattiesburg says Will Hall has the best coach pressers in the state. He doesn't BS as much as what he said. and He's always fired up. That is one thing that you can't take away That's from true. Will Hall, is he is always Very true. fired up to talk some football. And it's always right after practice, he's always sweaty, too. That cracks me up. Every video of Will Hall, it's like, man, he's been working out just, with, uh, just like the rest of them. But uh, anyway, we turn our page now to the SEC. And my hometown newspaper, Emily Adams of the Greenville News, covers South Carolina. The Gamecocks are up on our list today, getting ready for SEC football. Emily, thank you for your time, and uh, let's start here. What Spencer Rattler are we getting in 2023? The one that beat Clemson, the one that really beat Tennessee, or the the one that uh, lost to Missouri at home?
3: Yeah, what a good question. I think that's uh, the biggest question we all have here in Columbia, all the fans have. Um, And the reports out of preseason have, I mean, really been nothing short of glowing. Um, And that's from from coaches, from teammates, from the offense, from the defense. Um, Every report that we've gotten is that Spencer Rattler looks as confident as he's ever looked, as comfortable as he's ever looked. He's taking more ownership of the offense. Um, and the, the really visible thing is his relationship uh, with Dal Loggins, who's uh, South Carolina's new offensive coordinator, um, just came in in December. And uh, the two of them just really connected quickly. Um, the the install of the offense has been very collaborative from what the two of them have said. So it's I, I'm optimistic that we're getting uh, a better version, at least, than we got at the beginning of last year. Um, even if it's not quite you know, Tennessee and Clemson spent the Rattler week after week.
2: So what is the, the feeling uh, about the new offensive coordinator there? Spent some time in the NFL and, and, and as you know, uh, didn't particularly go well at, at times there leading an offense at that level, but what has uh, what is the response been um, with his early tenure, I guess, at South Carolina?
3: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think he was a really controversial hire at the beginning for South Carolina just because, uh, he's only been at the college level for two years. He was a tight ends coach at Arkansas. Um, but other than that, all of his experience is in the NFL. Um, but I've been really impressed with him this preseason, um, just a- at least in his interactions with media. It-, it seems like his approach has been very thoughtful. It seems like he's sort of aware uh, of what his weaknesses are, of what the challenges are of adapting to the college level. Um, and has been sort of actively trying to address those things throughout spring practice and the preseason. Um, and the players love him. I mean, I, I think that's been one of the biggest things that stood out, not just, you know, with, with Spencer Rattler, but with, you know, Trey Knox, the, the tight end who came over with Loggins from Arkansas. Um, a lot of these veteran wide receivers, um, you know, the, the running back room, which, you know, came into camp with a lot of depth issues. Just, I mean, everybody seems really confident in, in what he's putting together. Um, and, it, and it seems like the process, again, has been very sort of player-centric. They've had a lot of input in it. Um, and so I think that's positioned to be an upgrade over what they had last year. The real question now, I think, is just whether – Dow can actually call plays in a college game. That's sort of the last question mark that's left. Um, and we'll get at least the beginning of an answer on Saturday, hopefully.
1: Emily, I talked to to one of your colleagues on the beat a few, a few weeks ago, and he talked about the offensive line at South Carolina. That was his biggest concern about this Gamecock team. And, and we all know that, you know, as the offensive line goes, that's how teams go. For, for the most part. What are your thoughts on this Gamecock offensive line? Are they going to be up to the challenge in the SEC this year?
3: Yeah, I think I think it's right to say that that is uh, one of, if not the biggest concern for them, um, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You know, the skill position players are there, and it's, it's the line I think that's going to sort of make or break them. Um, they brought in a couple of transfers that have uh, had – positive reports about them during training camp. Uh, Nick Gargiulo out of Yale uh, has been the big one. You know, players are describing him as like the heart and soul of the team. Um, But I think the, the real question is the tackles, you know, they still have not set definitive starters uh, at at either tackle spot. Um, They have a new center this year, Vershawn Lee, who's moving from guard. So there's just a lot of shuffling happening and reorganizing. And so I think, you know, Even if it does come together at some point, it's going to look similar to last year in that it won't look great for the first few weeks. um, And by the time it is clicking, it might be too late, which is a little bit of sort of what they ran into um, with it only coming together those last two games last year.
1: Yeah, here in the state of Mississippi, we've had that week four matchup between Mississippi State and South Carolina circled the, the entire offseason, especially with where it sits on the schedule for both South Carolina and Mississippi State. You know, Both of them are yeah. get that game sandwiched between the powers in, in their division. How key is that game for South Carolina's hopes for a great 2023?
3: I think it's huge, especially because – You know, last year, those games where they were sort of on the bubble of being the favorite were the ones that really ended up being problems for them last year. You know, they obviously had that really bad loss to Missouri at home, uh, followed that up with a really bad loss at Florida a couple weeks later. So, you know, winning games where they're a a marginal favorite, I think, is going to be important, period. Um, And then having it be Mississippi State, I mean, obviously, you know, Shane Beamer has history with them. Um, that's, I believe, uh, either homecoming weekend or a parents weekend here. So it'll be a big crowd in Columbia. Um, I just, yeah, I think heading into sort of the, the new year of the SEC in, in 2024, you know, competing with some of those teams on the Western side is a really big deal for them. They couldn't, you know, with Arkansas last year too much. Um, And they'll face Alabama in 24, which is no small potatoes. So I think, uh, yeah, having Mississippi State this year, especially uh, pretty early in the season, right after they take on, you know, a a Georgia um, and North Carolina, obviously, to open the season, um, it it could be a make-or-break moment for them.
2: Speaking of Shane Beamer, when he was hired, I remember a lot of the criticism was if his last name was Smith, would he have gotten the job? And uh, clearly it's working out so far, but what is his Q rating uh, there among uh, your readers, the South Carolina fateful right now?
3: Yeah, I think Beamer is super popular among the fan base. And I think a lot of that is that he has done a really excellent job of marketing himself and sort of engaging with fans in a way that, is very modern uh, for a a college football coach. You know, even with the way that he uses social media, the way that the program uses social media, um, it it feels fresh and sort of innovative in some ways that we've seen as, you know, digital staffs and things have built out over the last few years. Uh, But I think he's just a good fit at at South Carolina. You know, he – It is the kind of coach, I mean, when you look at Frank Beamer's career, you know, his name isn't Smith, and that is why he got the job. And I don't think that's necessarily inherently a bad thing. You know, he worked under an all-time great, uh, you know, who took a program at Virginia Tech that's in the Power Five but has never been super nationally relevant before or since and made them that. Um, And I think that's, you know, the trajectory that Shane is trying to set South Carolina on here And I think, you know, they're, they're obviously not quite there yet. That is a, a high bar to clear. But, you know, with the recruiting classes they have brought in with the way they ended the season last year, you know, if they're able to keep building on that in 2023, I think it bodes really well for just sort of the, the way that he's gone about rebuilding this program.
1: Two years ago, it was Florida. Last year, it was Kentucky. This year, South Carolina is that trendy pick in the East to elevate themselves and and have a great season. Tell us why and why not. And we've got about 90 seconds left. Why that's going to be the case.
3: Well, why? I mean, I think why the answer has to be Spencer Rattler. You know, if he is the Spencer Rattler that he was that one year at Oklahoma that he was coming out of high school, um, this team is, is going to be tough to beat as much as, You know, you can say that defense wins championships, offense wins games a lot of the time. Um, However, I think the why not is, you know, if the O-line doesn't click, if the run game doesn't click, you know, Spencer cannot do it all by himself. Um, You know, I think the secondary is good enough to keep them in games, but there's a lot of injury questions on the D-line right now. There's a lot of young guys on the D-line and at linebackers, so... You know, there's just a lot of question marks to be going into a, a conference like the SEC that is as deep as it is this year and, and every year, really.
2: Emily Adams of the Greenville News, thank you so much for your time. Really good stuff, uh, and uh, we look forward to catching up with you down the line.
3: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
2: Thank you. Emily joined us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. So, yeah, a lot of optimism there in Columbia. Uh, hey, Dad, that game is so important to both of these teams i mean oh, if they're massive. going to meet their potential that has to be a win it feels like it anyway
1: especially especially you know with south carolina they legitimately could be if they lose that game they could legitimately be 1 and 4 at the end of this of the month of september because there's no guarantees they're going to beat north carolina and i certainly don't think they'll beat georgia and tennessee What is that team after all this offseason? And then with State, I mean, is that going to be a three-game losing streak of LSU, South Carolina, and Alabama? Very tough.
2: Some injury news we've got to get to when we come back at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Michael Borky, he's Brian Haydad. It's great to be with you on this Wednesday afternoon. South Carolina is an interesting football team this year, for sure. A good conversation with uh, with Emily Adams there of the Greenville News, talking about the Gamecocks. But we have injury news. Uh, we get uh, a message on the text line about it. Uh, Chase Parham of the Ole Miss rival site Rebel Grove uh, is reporting uh, that well, he's he's hearing that uh, transfer tight end Caden Prescorn could be out for uh, two to three games uh, for Ole Miss uh, with, uh, I believe, a a foot injury, a lower leg injury. He's been seen in a boot, I believe, uh, recently, and uh, could be out for the first couple, if not the first three games. So if it is the full three, his first action would be in Tuscaloosa. If it's the first two, his first game action would be against Georgia Tech.
1: Welcome to the SEC. You know, go play Alabama in your first game. Ole Miss has had rotten luck lately with tight ends. Trigg was was injured all of last season, and now uh, is looking like he's going to miss some games. You know, we've got to find out what that injury is. Uh, hopefully, uh, Kiffin can make that uh, that that information available because anything that keeping you out the first three games, I know everything that keeps you out. Anything that keeps you out the first three games that, that feels like you know you got to be careful, and then. Are you able to just get back in there in three weeks and be full speed? Or is that something you got to be careful and monitor? And, you know, it could be a nagging injury the whole year. I don't know. So hopefully he's, uh, he's good to go as quickly as possible and he can get back on the field. And now a
2: new dynamic uh, comes out because um, apparently Michael Trigg has um, not exactly uh, met expectations in terms of what they want him to do on on the field and availability and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just just has not – how do I – why am I – he's in the doghouse, and he's been in the doghouse for weeks. He's in the doghouse,
1: there you go. Yeah, he's in the doghouse, yeah.
2: he's been in the doghouse. He, he was in the doghouse most of last year as well, and that hasn't improved. And so what happens now? Because they, they do have uh, Kyron Heath, who they like uh, – Played sparingly last year as a young guy. Uh, had to change his body a little bit, as most freshmen do, uh, especially at that position. And now Hudson Wolf is a, a high, highly recruited tight end who had back surgery, I think multiple back surgeries, missed a couple of seasons, and now he's available and, and playing, which is a miracle in and of itself considering the health issues that he's had, and then uh, a true freshman. That's their tight end room now with or without Michael Trick. And so can they get him to straighten up and actually play? I wouldn't be particularly optimistic about that at this moment. If by now you're still having issues uh, over a year later, um but it's the the Wolf thing helps them if he can give them anything. But now you've got a situation. And if this carries on past the first 3 weeks, that's tough. It's tough regardless, but it's especially tough if that two- to three-week window becomes a four- to five-week window.
1: Ole Miss should just go to the NCAA and claim that since they never threw the ball to him, Dawson Knox still has eligibility, and just bring him back. No issues then. you got you got a great tight end at that point. Yeah, that's rough. That's really rough. And, I mean, especially when you think about this offense, right, and, and you know, Ole Miss the first year under Kiffin with Kenny Yeboah, he was a big part of things. But since then they really haven't had that that kind of, of, of production at the tight end position. And this is an offense that wants to have a tight yep. end. And and they they want that player on the field. They don't want to have to go as much, you know, four wide as, as they've been doing. So for, for Ole Miss, they've got to get one of these guys going. Trig, I'm starting to, you know, I'm starting to wonder if this is ever going to click for him. It feels yep. like it was it was just not a good fit for him to come to Ole Miss. Uh, for for whatever reason which is interesting to see well, because with dart it has been such a good fit what we're learning now that um
2: it wasn't a great like like this isn't new that this was the same problem at USC as well yeah and you know sometimes it takes people longer to to grow up sometimes they don't and it just happens you hope for the for the sake of the young man that he can figure it out but as of right now just the the any production they get out of him at this point would be a pleasant surprise. Yeah, at the, at this point, yeah, you, which is you, crazy you considering have the talent like that. Level. Sometimes,
1: I mean, we were talking about Eric Gilbert just the other day. Now yeah. this is a kind of different situation. Michael Trick's not in any legal trouble; he's just having you know issues. He's in the doghouse, evidently, and he's in the doghouse. So, but you know, there's some. It, 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 that's the. I think that's if in, you were talk about what upsets fans more than anything else is. Players who have talent squandering it, it drives people crazy. It's like if I if I had been blessed with that, you know, I would you know I would be a, a superstar. I'd already be in the NFL and things like that. And you know, fans fans hate to see this kind of thing because it's just so frustrating when you see a guy who was all world, you know, five star kid coming out of high school, and now he just can't put it together when when he's being given the opportunities. I mean, if he was clicking, if his attitude was right. He'd be almost a starting tight end. He'd see a lot of uh, of the ball. You know, the Dart would look for him. Yeah. But that's not going to happen because he just can't get it to himself right mentally. And
2: here's another opportunity. Here's another one. Free. I mean, the starting tight end if possibly out for three weeks. I mean, I guess yeah. conceivably shorter or longer. There. But, but here would be a perfect opportunity to get yourself out of the doghouse and show that, you know, you can. Do right and put in the work and be successful, and uh, who knows? Uh, but here's his opportunity, and and we'll see if he can capitalize. Luckily for Ole Miss, it is Mercer, and if you if you need Caden Prescorn to beat Tulane, you're I mean you got Vanderbilt on the schedule, so you can beat them. But if if Caden Prescorn is the difference between a win and a loss a- against Tulane and Georgia Tech, you're not winning many football games this year anyway. Yeah. So the schedule a big deal. For that timeline works out nicely. But man, your first your first SEC action being in Bryant Denny is um that's a welcome so, to the SEC moment right there.
1: Almost played what 7 games last year before they faced a, a really tough team. Yeah. This year it's 3 games. Next year they're starting the season with Alabama. Just just week 1. Just get it out of the way. Let's find out what we got. I don't know who they play week one next year. I have no idea. Oh, I'm sure that that, that, that part's probably already done. I'd be willing to bet. Go to, you just go see our friends at FBS Schedules. What a great
2: website that is.
1: 2024
2: Furman, the Paladins, is who they'll start with oh, next year. Oh, there it
1: is. Michael Borky will be in the stadium there. Yeah, Furman, yeah, all, Middle Tennessee, all, all, at all, Wake Forest. So that's, look, we, we were just talking about this. Ole Miss's first four games are non-conference games next year. Furman, Middle Tennessee, Wake Forest, Georgia Southern. And then they'll go into conference play. So it'll be a Game 5 yeah. before you really have a feel for what Ole Miss is. And to be, you know, if Game 5 is Vanderbilt, then, you know, oh, they don't have Vanderbilt next year. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Never I mean, mind. And uh, no Auburn either. So no Hugh Freeze return. No Auburn and, and, and no Alabama. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're robbed! We've been robbed. I didn't realize. Oh, ah, yeah. oh. what a shame that. We'd love to have seen Freeze back in Oxford. I was at Tuberville's return games. Well, I wasn't. I take that back. I was in the Grove. Yeah, I couldn't afford tickets. <laughs> so,
2: Bruce says, got to see Hudson Wolf firsthand in high school as I worked at Hardin County, where he's from. I don't know how effective he will be at the college level, but at six seven, he was almost unstoppable at the high school level. Yeah, he was a big pickup at the time, huge pickup at the time, literally and uh, figuratively, I guess. Uh, the fact that, I mean, there there were times uh, over the last couple of years where people were like, he's he can't play football, like he'll never play football again. His the, the injuries and and stuff have mounted to the point where he won't step on the field anymore. And mm-hmm. any speaking of production, any amount of production they get out of him is a win. You, you think for him? I mean, having back injuries and surgery and and having that be around you is you. you can't play football anymore. To get on an SEC field and and play at all is uh, pretty remarkable, uh, considering all of that going into it. But apparently, he's good to go and healthy and <laughs> and, and ready. So that's impressive.
1: Borky, I saw was talking about. You know, they should find out who Ole Miss is in Week One. Well, they won't do it next year, but they will do it in twenty twenty five because that first game is at USC. Yeah. I'll so call, so we'll know what Ole miss is right off the bat in twenty twenty five. Will we still be here then? I hope so. Fifty one forty eight. I'm gonna just go ahead and t- <laughs> take the over in that game. Just take it. Oh, you can man. get it if you can get that now at your casino, do it. Six zero one
2: eight seven nine forty three ninety five. Uh When are they announcing the conference schedule for 2024? I think th- they do it like in the middle of the season, which doesn't make any sense to me yeah. at all. But yeah, it's it, within yeah. a few weeks. The dates,
1: yeah. yeah we'll, we'll have the dates probably by the end of September, if I had to guess. But I, I, during the break, I'll look and see when they announced it last year.
2: Russ, I'll just, uh, I appreciate you watching on the, the stream. He said, when the red light comes on Borky's mic occasionally, what does it mean? I I can toggle my Maybe mic on talk. and off, um, and Dad and Richard as well. Mine's the only one that has the light on that says whether or not it's actually on. So that's all it is. If, if you don't see that light, I can say things and you won't hear them. Sometimes you see me yelling at Richard when he talks into a break, which is what I'm about to do. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi 100 teams next.
0: Back to Sports Talk Mississippi.
1: It doesn't get any better than this.
0: On Super Talk Mississippi, my friends feel is disappointed. Michael
2: Borkey's Brian Haydad. The number continues to get smaller and smaller. Team number three on our countdown of 100 teams in 100 days.
0: This day is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. This day is bananas.
1: 100 teams in 100 days. Now, okay, get
0: ready. Three.
2: We go to a hot seat in the Big Twelve and an iconic song.
0: Almost heaven, West Virginia Blue Ridge Mountains.
1: Okay, here's the situation. This song is not about West Virginia. It's about the western part of Virginia. <laughs> Growing like a breeze. Country road. One of
2: the coolest scenes in college football is after a Virginia home victory, before they burn all of their furniture in the streets. they
1: <laughs> That's the second coolest thing. That's the thing.
2: second coolest thing. They sing that song and I don't I would know how big stadium uh, is. 50,000, 60,000 people singing that song in unison is yeah. so cool.
1: I would love to own an Ashley Furniture in Morgantown. <laughs> Yeah, just, just every week, we're like, we got couches! What do you think Ikea's doing up there right now? Oh, my gosh. All that wood. It's just <laughs> just burn, baby, burn. Uh, they ever won a national title to burn down the Ikea. Just, I, I decided to get them at the source. Somebody said, please
2: stop singing. I might just fire the song back up, and, and we just sing for the rest of the day. We'll sing the whole song. <laughs> but, uh, no, oh, so God. seriously, that that is something that they do. In West Virginia, they uh, the, the students after big home football wins will take to the streets and burn couches. Burn.
1: They burn their couches. Yeah. I
2: have a friend that went to a game at West Virginia, and and he knew that they did that, but he made it a point as they were walking, like around student housing and stuff, not like dorms, but you know houses where clearly students live, and everybody's tailgating during the games and stuff, and, and he would look like in the open doors as they were walking by. And they don't have furniture. I mean, it's just like lawn chairs, and, and that's it. I mean, they they really do actually burn their stuff. I mean, he even bought a shirt there at the time that said it said "couch burning tour" on the back, and it had their football schedule.
1: Well, they haven't had to burn a lot of couches lately.
2: No, Neil Brown. Uh, shocking that it hasn't really worked out at West Virginia. Took over in 2019. Went five and seven, six and four, six and seven, five and seven. Very much on the hot seat entering twenty twenty three. I am still surprised that it is not working for him there.
1: Yeah, that's a guy that was so successful at Troy. That's a guy I I, I wouldn't. I forget if it was after Moorhead or or after Mullen, but I, I, I thought he had an opportunity to maybe come to Mississippi State. And guess I guess I am glad that didn't work out.
2: I do wonder if just it. But this happens often, uh, right? You have good coaches at different levels go up a level and it not work out. I mean, look at Texas and how that has failed. I I wonder if the changing landscape in conference realignment really has, we talked about it the other day, put West Virginia in a bad spot. Because when they changed conferences, they're not playing Boston College and Syracuse and Virginia anymore. It's a bunch of programs from Texas. You know, I mean, that's the Big 12 is – You know, you play Baylor, and Baylor's not getting the same players that A&M is, but they're still getting a bunch of dudes from Texas. And roster building in that region is very tough for a place like West Virginia when you don't produce in-state talent. I wonder if the job has gotten more difficult as the years have gone on, more so than Neil Brown being a failure.
1: That's a good question, but I mean... There are so many programs, these mid-tier power conference programs, where you're successful. People can be successful year in and year out, or have those cycles that I like to talk about all the time. Right? West Virginia has just been down since Holgo left, basically, and I just don't understand quite why, because they should be able to recruit okay. You know, that that area of the country—they're so close to Ohio. That's a good talent area. They they should be better than they've been these past few years. Somebody said that you should
2: join a choir. By the way, Russ, uh, yeah. with, with the old knee slap. I was said, in the
1: choir. I was in the choir uh, when I was in junior high. Right, right before my voice cracked, I was in the choir. I would love just one to day see the under, old video of that. Maria, and it just went like that, and that know, was so. game
2: over. It was it. Yeah, you couldn't have been a bass.
1: Not nah, well. You know, this is the kids' choir, so no.
2: Garrett Green, uh, possibly the quarterback, a battle that has yet to be decided uh, because, again, football coaches protect personnel decisions like the nuclear codes. But that is expected to be the starter. Uh, Only through 78 passes last year, completed 43 of them. That's only 55%. Just under 500 yards, five touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, Is not a starter, hasn't been a starter, but is going to be now for Neil Brown's club there. At West Virginia, they open the season with a with a barn burner. Uh, Penn State on the road Saturday night, Happy Valley. You mean a couch burner? A, a couch burner, bro. Well, maybe not for them. Uh, that is a tough ask for West Virginia, considering the uh, the roster yeah. that Penn State has and the environment that they will play in. Get a break in week two with Duquesne, and then they host Pittsburgh. At It's going to be a spicy one and an important one for Neil Brown if he's going to keep his job. Backyard brawl, yeah. They turn around and host Texas Tech, then go to TCU. Conference game now at Houston, and they host Oklahoma State. Go to UCF in a conference game. Host BYU in a conference game. Go to Oklahoma, host Cincinnati, and finish the season at Baylor. Does Neil Brown keep his job?
1: No. I say no. It feels like this is the end.
2: Would John Summerall follow Neil Brown to West Virginia? Maybe. He's going to get an SEC job soon. He'd be smart to wait. Which is another, uh, Neil Brown going to West Virginia was interesting at that time because SEC jobs were going to come open. Another double-digit win season. Win four consecutive double-digit seasons at Troy. And you would have gotten better than West Virginia.
1: Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, you run the risk of being Napier and hanging on too long, and then, you know, you end up at a job where you're not really set for success. I th- I just think, I feel like, I feel like this is the, the order of things, is that Summerall is waiting on Kirk Ferentz to retire at Iowa so that Stoops can go there, and, <laughs> and he takes the Kentucky job. Page from is going to give us some hot sauce. Appreciate that, Page. Well, she was she she reached out to or she was at the uh, first catfish tour stop at Little Dewey and was asking about the the King's Daughter's remote we do almost every year, but unfortunately it appears we're not doing that remote this year.
3: So Well,
1: we'll we'll figure it out. She's there in Weston. She was in, We'll fit we'll, we we'll, we'll, we'll make our way to to Kapia County at some point. Absolutely. Um, we get this message, it's so
2: hard for some kids to get their highlights and name to coaches when they have no help doing so. We had to sign a waiver. This is one thing that in hindsight really bothered me now about my high school coaches. At the time, I thought it was um, like common practice because I only played football for one high school, but they made all of us bring home like a, not a waiver, but like a uh, a pledge that, that I had to sign and my parents had to sign that was like, we will not or we cannot get your kid a scholarship and we won't assist you in your effort. It's stuff like that. It was like, we're not going to help you try to go to college, get a scholarship. That's not our job. And I thought, at the time, I didn't think anything of it. Now it's like, why on earth would you make people sign a thing that says, I'm not going to help you get a... Wouldn't you as a high school coach want desperately to get your players to play at the next level, instead you're sending home waivers that says we're not going to help you? It Was bizarre in hindsight.
1: That's really weird. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't get it. There's a lot of dudes that played college football
2: on my team, but there's a couple of them that should have gone to better than they did and I now I think back and was it because their coaches didn't care to try? very possible but anyway that's uh, old memory lane uh, right there how cool would it be if Nick Saban left Alabama next season to go back and coach his alma mater
1: be incredibly cool I would be in favor of that, that happening but unfortunately I don't think it's going to
2: uh, Morgantown's a little too far from the, the retirement home there in, uh, in Jupiter
1: Nick where is Morgantown why are you never here well Selene, I I gotta go back to Morgantown, that's where I coach now. That's too, that's two country. I can't do saving. I can't get it right. Yeah, it is tough. We need Joey Molinaro on the show.
2: Six year one eight seven nine forty three ninety five. That's the text on you want to be a part of the show, that's how you do it. Get used to the international college football games. I'll tell you why when we come back. Also, Mississippi State released a depth chart. At least somebody did. We're gonna look at that when uh, when we come back you to do the
0: thing you do. What we're gonna do right here is go back. And now back to the- Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you. Get used to the international college football games. Why? Because you watch them. NBC drew over 3.5 million viewers on average. So like if you're looking at a YouTube video, that number is the number of people that hit just play one time for a few seconds and that's it. Uh, There's actually a... On the political side, people are doing the ratings versus Twitter views, and those are not the same thing, and people are misconstruing that. That's 3.56 million people on average for the entire duration of the broadcast. It, many more people actually checked it out. doesn't matter. It's a big number. It is a huge number, actually. It's the network NBC's best Notre Dame game since October of 2021 when they played Cincinnati and drew 3.8 million people.
1: Surprising that that's the one. Yeah, isn't it? They lost that game, didn't they? Yeah, they, they would have had to, I guess, because that's uh, Cincinnati's undefeated year. Yep. People were curious about mm. Cincinnati. So get used to them,
2: mm-hmm. because if they keep drawing numbers, they're going to keep creating games overseas to play in in Week 0.
1: True. True about everything. Yeah. I As mean, Week 0 games continue to grit numbers, they're going to continue. I, 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 told, I talked about this last week. I said... Probably not too far off from the big conferences each giving you a big game every every week zero every year. You know, you were probably like a couple years away from, you know, and and it may even be a conference game, and they may do a week zero, you know, Alabama versus Texas or something like that. I don't know.
2: So Mississippi State released a depth chart now. With a grain of salt, as always, depth charts are. I mean, there's a reason coaches in some places are just not doing it anymore. But Mississippi State did, and Zach Arnett stressed after the release that it's just where they are at the moment and that it can Mm -hmm. change. And, you know, guys rotate, and it's not like you only play one running back in an entire game and stuff like that. But is there anything on this that stood out to you?
1: Well, first and foremost, the thing that stood out was that it felt like in his conversation that – he actually put this together. This wasn't, hey, tell the SID to do the depth chart. You know, it felt like that was his depth chart, and then he's, you know, he's got those guys where he wants them for a reason. Um, you know, it's weird. I thought a week ago I thought Dollar Bill was going to lose out on that left tackle job, but he's listed as the starter. Percy Lewis is the backup. We'll see how that continues to play out. Uh, Hunter Washington is a guy I thought might have a chance to start opposite at corner uh, from uh, from DeCameron and Richardson, but he is listed as a starting safety. And he's been practicing at both, and they've been talking about that a lot about having versatility between guys who can play corner and play safety. State has two or three of those kind of guys uh, between him and Hunter Washington. was sorry, Hunter Washington, Marcus Banks, uh, maybe a guy like Radar Jones when he gets uh, if he ever gets up to speed. Beyond that, nothing really there. The Seth Davis being the second string running back, we talked a little bit about that last week. That that is, you know, I'm at the point now where I'm not surprised by it anymore, but. A week ago when I first heard that, yeah, that was that was a very big surprise to me. Oh, and Rodgers being the quarterback, I was just like, what? And so
2: since the coaches put this together, what's the deal with Jaden Wally? Not only is he not listed as a starter, but he's got an or next to his uh, name.
1: Yeah. What's up there? I, I just, you know, he had such a great freshman year, but since then he just hasn't been the same guy. And State has brought in via recruiting and via the transfer portal some talent there. And and he's he's had to fight, you know, to keep his reps. So we'll see what kind of role he he can play for Mississippi State. A game like this, where he should get some some reps in the second half against a a completely outmatched team, should be good for him. Maybe it gets his confidence going, mm-hmm. he can get some catches and uh and go from there. I love looking at the tight end position. It's so weird, right? Yeah, it's it's just so weird. It's been three years since that's even been on the depth chart at Mississippi State.
2: What are the what's the word out of camp there uh, because the, it, it's a couple of guys that you know were at power five programs, but not exactly like super yeah. productive or anything like that doesn't mean they can't no. be. it's just we don't know well, what they're I mean, capable of yet at least publicly
1: especially especially with Gody, who was behind Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington. I mean he, it's not a, a shame that he didn't right. get reps yeah. you know behind two first round big talents um, they, they've been solid I mean they've been okay. You know, I, I, are they going to be? Is Goody going to be a sixty catch guy? No, not anything like that. But is he going to play and have the red zone opportunities? And and you know, State's going to have some situations with an attached tight end and some situations with a flex tight end. That's where you'll see a guy like uh, Antonio Harmon a little bit more. And then I think Spivey can be a little bit of both of those guys.
2: Coming up next, we for the college football fix. Uh, this story cracked me up. Uh, there's been this narrative that Nick Saban is smiling more and that everybody should look out because when Nick Saban smiles, it means he loves his team and danger's coming. Shout out to late Steve Irwin. Danger, danger, danger's coming to the rest of the SEC. But is it actually true?
1: (laughs) Got him. Um, What? Steve Irwin? Oh, Borky, look at the size of this one. Yes. God, he was My the man. favorite ESPN commercial, when the, when the Florida Gator gets off the elevator. Yeah. I love that commercial.
2: We <laughs> is gorgeous? Back when ESPN was good. Anyway, uh, so does Nick Saban's smiling translate to wins on the field? An Alabama beat writer examined all of his press conferences and timed the smiles and came out with a really funny and interesting result. This is a goofy story. I love it. It's college football in a nutshell. Does Nick Saban smiling mean his team is going to be great? We'll tell you when we come back.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Do you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial. Here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Show Wednesday afternoon. I'm Michael Bork. He's Brian Haydad. Richard's off today, tomorrow, and Friday. He'll be back on Monday, I think. And um, we're glad that you're with us. He's not. <laughs> we got a text earlier that said, uh, Is
1: Richard part time at this point? Uh, he's, he's on a, uh, oh, what is that called? What's the call? A what recon is, what, when mission. Yeah. No, no, no. When you when you work somewhere and they they don't, they're not actually on the payroll, but they pay you. Sabbatical? Yeah. No, I need somebody for. I don't know. I need I need HR. HR. I need. I'm, I'm gonna text her. Furlough. Know what that is? No, there's. It's like a. Le- you get a document at the end of the year. You don't get a W two. You get a. I don't know what it's called. Somebody's got to be listening that knows what this is. But, yeah, he's doing Help me out here, guys. Or or whatever. But, uh, yeah.
2: I'm Borky. He's that We're glad that you are with us. It's time for the College Football Fix. Driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer.
1: Today, there's been this private contractor. 1099. There it is. 1099. He is a 1099 employee. Yeah. Thank you, Bubba. Nick Saban has been
2: smiling more. At least that's what people have said. And because we overanalyze everything in college football, we wonder why is Nick Saban so happy all the time? I think it's because he bought his retirement home next to Celine Dion for $17 million in Jupiter, Florida. It's oceanfront, great golf, great fishing. He's on his way out the door. Some people think that it's because he loves his team so much that he's just happy about it. College football fixture by Ford
1: and your local Mississippi Ford <laughs> dealer. So the, the, the text line is blowing up with 1099. Love it. Y'all all knew but me. Thank you. Hey, I got a text. I got a text, too. Somebody said adjunct faculty
2: could also be. <laughs> he doesn't have
1: tenure. Another one,
2: a hiatus. He's yeah, he,
1: not on hiatus.
2: No. He's, he's on a pitch count. I like that. <laughs> Matt Uh. Stahl of AL.com decided to look into the smiling Nick Saban and figure out if there is a direct correlation between Nick Saban's cheerfulness and how good his team ends up being. This is goofy, and I love it. So he looked at all of Nick Saban's press conferences. He excluded the ones at like uh, charity fundraisers, that kind of stuff, where you're supposed to be happy even if you're not. Press conferences. Uh, Looked at YouTube and timed... Not only got the number of smiles, but time how long he was smiling in all of his press conferences from 2017 to now. Here's what he found out. I don't know why this cracks me up so bad, but it does. In 2017, Nick Saban smiled six total times for one minute and 18 seconds in two hours worth of press conferences. (laughs) Happy guy, that Nick Saban. He smiled for 1.18% of the total time. He averaged 0.75 smiles per press conference. And Alabama beat Georgia in the national championship game that year. In 2018, he smiled five times for an average of 0.63 smiles per press conference for a total time of one minute and 15 seconds. A smile rate of 1.4%. For an hour and 26 minutes on the podium, Alabama lost in the national title game to Clemson that year. A year later, 2019, Alabama missed the playoff and finished with a Citrus Bowl win. Saban smiled just four times. 0.5 smiles per press conference. 53 total seconds of smiling in press conferences that year. 1.14% of the total time at the podium. And 2020 was Alabama's most successful during the studied time period as Alabama went to an undefeated national championship. 2020 was among the years Saban smiled the least, though it must be noted that preseason availabilities were taking place in the early days of COVID and video calls and stuff, so circumstances were different at that time. An outlier, possibly, in this very scientific study. 2021 lost the national championship game to Georgia. Barely smiled, 0.43% of press conference time was spent smiling, which is 25 seconds for the year 2021. Didn't smile particularly a lot. In 2022, the numbers increased, they missed the playoff, as you know. .88 .88 smiles per press conference for a total of 52 seconds, 1.04% of the time. Okay, here's the conclusion. Based on the data set, there's little discernible correlation between Nick Saban's preseason camp smiles and the eventual success of his Alabama teams. While his least smiley season, 2020, resulted in an undefeated national championship run, they also won the title during the year 2017 when he smiled the second most, both by sheer number and and percentage of total press conference time. So what does that mean? People are reading far too much into the attitude of Nick Saban going into this season.
1: Well, I'm an eye test guy, i got to be honest with you. I've never, I've never been much for analytics, so we'll see. I, I, I'll let you know if he's right or wrong in a couple of weeks after they've played Texas. He'll be smiling if they beat them. Great work, by the way. Outst- just absolutely outstanding. This is the kind of thing, you know, right now, I mean, you've only got a couple days left, right, before you've got real stuff to write about, real stuff for us to talk about here on the radio, things like that, right? So, I mean, we talk about off-season content. That is off-season content at its absolute very best. Well done, young man. Yes.
2: Uh, appreciate AL.com for that. That's uh, what it's supposed to be. We get this message, I assume that uh, this is an Alabama fan. Maybe not, but it says Saban is grinning like a possum because he doesn't give two uh, emojis Beeps. about preseason projections and the media's quarterback questions. They're loaded again and will win the West. Alabama is starting the season ranked
1: number three. Can't wait for Alabama's players to be sitting there on the field. Y'all all doubted us. Everybody said we were going seven and five. I can't wait. They're a preseason top five team,
2: and there are there are Alabama fans out there that personally feel slighted by their preseason ranking. They're a top five team, in college football. Yeah, and CBS said LSU's underrated who's also a top five team in college football. But I mean, yeah, they are loaded. Look, it's still Alabama. Doubting them at this point is a silly proposition. It is. They were vulnerable last year, though. I don't think we can ignore what they were and then what they lost. I feel like we're kind of over giving the benefit of the doubt at this point. I expect them to be really, really good. I, I don't expect either Ole Miss or Mississippi State to beat them this year. That's not what I'm saying. But I, there, there's nothing about what I saw a year ago and what they lost that tells me, oh, they are ready to go undefeated again. They're just going to run the table, buddy. No shot. I don't see that anymore.
1: i got I to be honest with you. Uh, I don't think overgiving is a word.
2: Nah, well, you know, colloquial language. I don't, I don't language. think it is. language. <laughs> Colloquial? Yes.
1: Oh, You're worse than cross. Uh, yeah. Hey, that's the thing, though. This is the, the thing you have to remember about Alabama at all times. Loaded with talent, right? They've recruit top two, three every year, four- and five-star players, and I think 91% of their roster is blue-chip ratio. So the talent is there. If you know, we, we, We've kind of given the benefit of the doubt to Georgia with Carson Beck, and we have it with Milrow slash Simpson slash Buckner. But if either one of those guys is good, they're going to be tough to beat all season long, and they'll be pushing for another national title.
2: Zach says, we agree most of the time. Let's be honest here. People that say Nick Saban is not the greatest coach of all time are still talking about Nick Saban. Ha, 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 ha. I I I think that he is. You're barking up the wrong tree with that one. Uh, I mean the, the the great ones over time do lose their fastball that the best pitcher doesn't pitch forever. The, the best hitter eventually stops hitting the ball. The best quarterback starts losing their arm a little bit. the, the best coaches eventually lose their edge and ride off into the sunset. I'm not saying that's happened to Nick Saban. I also think he's the greatest college football coach to ever live. But that happening is not a crazy thought. No. Not a crazy thought at all. It's it's going no, to happen eventually. Know. Mother Nature even yeah. catches up to coaches, not just athletes. We'll talk college football with David Cobb when we come back at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio.
3: That
0: work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo?
4: Yes, sir.
2: Brian that it's great to be with you on this Wednesday afternoon. We go back to the Farm Bureau guest line, check out favorites.com, and go with the home team. David Cobb, CBS Sports, joins us right now. And, David, college football's already started. We're still kind of counting down the days or the day until tomorrow when it feels like it starts in earnest. But is there anything that happened last Saturday in Week 0 that really stood out to you?
4: Yeah, if you're giving grades to the two ranked teams that played last week, you're giving Notre Dame a much better grade than you give USC. Obviously, Zachariah Branch was phenomenal for USC. I was at that game out here in in L.A., and there's plenty to be optimistic about with USC, but there's also some of the same old problems uh, that I don't think they've resolved yet in terms of their physicality on both lines of scrimmage. And and then the defense kind of wilted in in some key moments against a good but certainly not great uh, San Jose State team. And then on the flip side, I mean, Notre Dame was almost flawless against Navy in their opener, and I was really impressed with the command that, that Sam Hartman had of that offense. So if you're giving grades out, Notre Dame gets an A in my book. USC probably no better than a, a B minus.
2: Is Notre Dame a national championship contender? Not a playoff contender, but is the Notre Dame you watched week one or week zero overreaction a team that can win? A championship.
4: Uh, I think that's an overreaction. I'm not ready to go there yet with uh, Notre Dame. Let's see them stack some wins before we we take it uh, that far. Now, I mean, that's not to say they couldn't make the playoff or uh, be a dark horse kind of contender here, but that's a tough schedule that Notre Dame plays this year. I think it's probably even a little bit more difficult than usual when uh, you factor in the uh, just the number of kind of sneaky, challenging games on that slate. Like you got to go to Duke, you got to go to Louisville. Those are all the ultimate trap spot for for a team that kind of showed a, a shocking ability to play down to its competition at some points last season. So I, I'm not there yet with Notre Dame. I got to see them stack it a little more before I can get them into that national title conversation.
1: Well, let's stay with overreactions, David. Let's look ahead to this coming Monday, to Labor Day. What are we going to be overreacting about on that day?
4: Yeah, I think it's going to be we put uh, we put the cart in front of the horse a little bit with uh, Florida State. I mean, they're getting all this love, all this hype, some of it deserved, uh, for how they're going to win the ACC this year, how they're going to crash the playoff. And don't get me wrong, I, I think this is Mike Norvell's best team that he's had at Florida State, the amount of talent that they bring back on both sides of the ball, Jared Verse on defense, on the edge, and, of course, Jordan Travis, at quarterback, uh, headlining uh, that team, Uh, they are a a trendy pick uh, to do some really big things. But people forget last season, and they kind of won against LSU in a fluky manner, and that was LSU's very first game under Brian Kelly, very first game with Jaden Daniels, at quarterback, And, and LSU grew and improved so much as last season went along, to the point where I think if they had rematched against Florida State in November or in a bowl game, it would have been a totally different story. And I think that's the story we're going to see play out on Monday night, and I think that could cause a lot of people to hop off of Florida State real, real quick.
1: We were talking about lines on yesterday's show, just going through some of the, the top 25 games, and we came across Washington and Boise State. That is a sneaky good week one game. Is that one where you might want to put the Huskies on an upset alert?
4: Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So we did our against the spread picks for, for CBS Sports that are already live. And I've got Boise State against the spread. I mean, ultimately, I, I went Washington straight up. It's, you know, when push comes to shove, it's hard to call the 14 and a half dog uh, winning in that spot. But uh, Boise is kind of a consensus favorite to win the Mountain West, a team that went undefeated in, in the Mountain West last season, a team with a track record, a program with a track record. Of uh, putting a scare into into Power Five opponents, and Washington is one of these schools that's just getting you know a tremendous amount of hype and love going into this season, and and rightfully so. Uh, but now the book is out on Washington. We we've seen what Kalen DeBoer and Michael Penix and that talented group of receivers like to do. Last season, they kind of caught the Pac twelve by surprise. In uh, I don't think they have that element on their side anymore. So when you talk about Boise State and head coach Andy Avalos, who's kind of a defensive guru, I think they've got a chance to uh, maybe hold Washington uh, below that 40-point threshold that everybody just assumes they're going to reach uh, every week this year. So, yeah, that, that is a uh, – I would put that one on upset watch. I'm not calling it, but, but I think that's a good one to place there uh, because it could be one of the best games of the week.
1: Well, let's just go ahead and get your get your predictions on the record. We had to put our predictions on the record uh, last week. Let's get yours. Who, who do you have as your four teams in the playoff? As we sit here, just a couple of, of our, you know, it's hours now before the start of the college football season.
4: <laughs> right. Well, shocker of all shockers, I've got Georgia uh, in the college football playoff. Wow. I know it's uh, wow know, going out on a limb. Yeah, hot takes, <laughs> uh, it, and then uh, building out from there. Uh, Michigan, Ohio State, and maybe the only surprise or or somewhat uh, out there pick, if you want to call it that, would be Clemson. I think a lot of people are sort of sleeping on Clemson because they've been out of the picture now for the last two years in terms of playoff. But I really think the the hire of Garrett Riley at offensive coordinator is going to do wonders for a Clemson program that had really slipped offensively over the last uh, couple of seasons. So, uh, yeah, that's that's my, my four. Um, I, I know some people in SEC country will be displeased that I only have uh, one SEC team in the field, but the old adage about the SEC West being so brutal that it cannibalizes itself, uh, it's kind of true, and that's sort of how I see it playing out.
2: David Cobb of CBS Sports joining us right now. So, our games around here this weekend, frankly, are um, underwhelming to really undersell. Uh, what, the, what the games are. So give us one if you're an old Miss State, Southern Miss fan at home, you watch your team play against an FCS team. What's a game that's flying under the radar to you that you're going to be locked in on on Saturday?
4: I mean, I love North Carolina, South Carolina. I think that could be a really fun game. In terms of a point spread, it's going to be supposed to be one of the closest games of the week, but maybe doesn't get quite the amount of, the, of attention because there's not a, a top 10 or, or top 15 team uh, involved. Now you got North Carolina's ranked and South Carolina's probably on the cusp of being ranked, uh, but it's not a marquee matchup. However, it's one of the few involving two power conference teams. They seem to play entertaining games in recent years and it's two elite level quarterbacks. Uh, Drake May is a bona fide Heisman contender, and Spencer Rattler for South Carolina could be a a sleeper or dark horse, a Heisman contender, and neither team plays a ton of defense either. So you're talking about the possibility of 1,200 total yards, and you know seven or eight passing touchdowns. if not more in that game. So pretty excited to see uh, that one unfold on Saturday.
2: And David Cobb, CBS Sports, joining us right now. Does uh, Virginia have any shot to beat, ten- or, or maybe not even beat, but to make that game with Tennessee like worth watching? Even
4: I have my doubts about that. I'm on Tennessee against the spread, and it's a hefty spread. It's, it's around four touchdowns. Uh, Tennessee just thrives on uh, really beating up inferior opponents, and Virginia's still in a place where Tony Elliott's just trying to lay the foundation. I mean, think about what they went through at the end of last season, uh, that t- terrible shooting in- involving you know, three players being killed. They had to cut their season short by two games. There was no bowl practice. I mean, they are very much still in the foundational stage at Virginia. And the Tennessee thing has taken off like a rocket ship. So, I don't even think Joe Milton needs to be at his best or be elite on Saturday. Uh, I, I think this is a, a simple game where Tennessee's system, its talent, its speed, uh, just is, is going to be too much <laughs> for, for Virginia to overcome. So I, I think Tennessee rolls uh, in this spot. That's kind of what they do typically against the undermatched uh, teams uh, during the Josh Heupel era. Not to say they can't slip up against a team that you know maybe they're favored by you know by 7 or 10 points right but this is a different story with virginia it's a team that's just not quite there yet
1: david we hope you have some insight into what we think is the biggest story in college football this week uh, we 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 talked about it a great deal but any idea who indiana kick who indiana's kicker is going to be
4: <laughs> um no i got nothing for you on that one <laughs> ah.
1: Tom Allen is keeping that one way, way under wraps. Well, what about Ohio State and Indiana? I mean, it feels like that's obviously going to be a little bit of a bloodletting, but what do you want to see from the Buckeyes week one with a new quarterback uh, under center there?
4: Yeah, that that's it. Is, does Kyle McCord have the goods to uh, make Marvin Harrison Jr. the Heisman Trophy winner, right? Because if, uh, if you got an elite-level quarterback there, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to uh, be on the stage in New York when this thing is all said and done uh, for the season. So yeah, that interests me, uh, from, from the Ohio state standpoint. And, um, you know, I'll say too, uh, how does Michigan look this week without Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines, without their offensive coordinator, uh, able to be out there. Um, those two schools in particular being what they are, their playoff picks in, in, in my book. And, uh, there's some intriguing, uh, kind of off the field or periphery stuff there, uh, with, with both of them. So, uh, you know, it's not like week one is is loaded with nail-biters and great games and intriguing theater, but there's new quarterbacks, right. there's new coordinators, there's new schemes around the country, there's um, the Harbaugh stuff, right? There's enough there where I think this is going to be a pretty good Saturday.
2: David, thank you so much for your time as always. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you both. David Cobb, CBS Sports, joined us in the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Hey Dad has two trivia questions for you, giving away genteel mm. polos when we come back. Walk in. Let's
0: go.
1: Hey guys, happened? what the
0: heck are you doing? Sports Talk, Mississippi, on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk, Mississippi.
2: Gentle is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. I am covered head to toe in Gentile right now. It is comfortable. It's good looking, especially the shorts and pants. The shirts are great. I've got one on. I love the three pairs now of Gentile pants. I have. I can't get enough of them. I'm going. I'm going to get more as we get closer to winter as well. But we want you to have them, and we want you to have them. Two of you today for free. So, Brian Haydad has two questions. Yes. We're going to do them individually, so we're not going to ask two questions at the same time. No, two we're two, gonna, we're two questions do is Friday. Well, this is giveaway two questions. <laughs> <laughs> More entertaining this one will be than what's coming Friday.
1: Very possible. When the answers then are show
2: up and then remember when kickoff is and don't forget when kickoff is. All, but, right. Uh, all right, trivia question number one, text us on the C-SPAR text on 601-879-4395. The first correct answer will win a genteel polo of your choice, an old Miss one, a Mississippi State one, or if you want to represent our brand, a Supertalk logoed genteel polo.
1: Can, can you just get a plain one if you want one? If you're just like, hey, I want this with no logo, can you get that? I have, we haven't addressed that.
2: We haven't addressed that, but we'll stick right, with what well, we know for now. We'll see. What's the question? All right, I don't know the answer right, to the today, question either. So,
1: we have two questions today. They are both going to be Egg Bowl related today. The single game Egg Bowl records for passing yards, rushing yards, and receiving yards are all held by Mississippi State Bulldogs. Who are those players? So we need three names. Send them in the same three message.
2: Names. Send them in the same message. Three names.
1: There it is. We already got so it. We will wait for your no, no, no. We will wait for your answers uh, to to see who uh, who, who gets the uh, the beautiful polo.
2: I would not have guessed that they were all Mississippi State guys.
1: They are. I would not have guessed that either until I knew it. So, yeah. We are off and running here. I'll yeah. be pretty surprised if anybody gets this. By the way, really, one name is going to really throw them off. Will you
2: text me the answer? Yeah, sure. We probably should do this ahead of time, but that's okay. I, I would like to know myself. <laughs> uh, I am. Uh, I'm really curious. So while those are uh, while those are coming in.
1: Somebody asked for the question again. The all-time single-game records for for the Egg Bowl for single-game passing, rushing, and receiving yards are all held by a Mississippi State Bulldog. Who are those three players? Who is the Bulldog that has the all-time passing record in the Egg Bowl, the all-time rushing record in the Egg Bowl, the all-time receiving record in the Egg Bowl for one game? So I need three answers. I could find your name on my my text here. I've had I've been a busy man today. You have look at you, popular guy. Remember, over there. Remember, remember, remember when when and Richard said, "Although your questions are too easy, hey, Dad, and literally nobody has gotten it, and very few people have gotten two, we've gotten a
2: metric ton of answers so far."
1: Yeah.
2: While we're waiting, uh, LSU has more. Issues in their opener. As you know, their uh, superstar defensive tackle not playing in the game because of NCAA suspension. Now, John Emery as well, uh, unavailable. That's all we've gotten from LSU is uh, that he is unavailable for the game. But that is – and, you know, he may not have actually started for LSU this year. It would – it's a weird – I say weird. It is just a competitive backfield there in uh, in Baton Rouge right now, but yeah, uh, John Emery uh, will begin the season for the third consecutive season. Not available for LSU's season opener. Uh, he was going to get a lot of carries. May not be the starter, but Josh Williams and Noah Kane are the other two that are. Uh, or excuse me. Um, No, I'm right. I'm sorry. I'm right. I'm I'm questioning myself. I am correct. Yes.
1: Um, Oh, so close there.
2: Was supposed to be there with those two, and and now he is not. May not have been the starter. Ran for 375 yards in six touchdowns in just 11 games last season, but another player that would have had some kind of impact, unavailable for LSU in their season opener against Florida
1: State. There's even some uh, some bigger news, though, out of Texas today. And that's that Quinn Ewers has shaved his hair. Oh, no. Not happy. Not happy about that. Not happy.
2: Yeah, you're right. This third name. The third name is going nope, to get liter- people.
1: Literally nobody has said it. That Unless I've, unless I've just missed it. Huh. Which, if, if that's happened, I apologize. But I have not seen anybody say it. We've,
2: we've got people now throwing out quarterback names that... Uh, the, the most yards in an Egg Bowl, guys. The the most. Like, really, really good Egg Bowl performances
1: <laughs> throwing the football. Pat, hey, we got a winner. We all got a right. winner. And of all people, it's Mike in Oxford. But he has got it. Congra- congratulations to our good friend Mike in Oxford. Got it right. He's a huge Ole Miss fan. Come on, Bulldogs. How could y'all let that happen? The answer is the all-time leading passer, for a game, for an Egg Bowl, is Will Rogers. He did that in the 2020 Egg Bowl. The all time leading rusher in the Egg Bowl is Nick Fitzgerald. He did that in the 2016 Egg Bowl. And David Smith is the receiving leader in the Egg Bowl when the 1969 Egg Bowl. Interesting uh, side note to that uh, two of those are losses 2020 and 1969. How about that? So, so, Mike, you know the drill. Please send us your, your name, your address, what size. I know it's an old Miss polo. You don't need to worry about that. Yeah. All right. Question Next number question. two. All right. This is a much simpler question. We just need one answer. What year was the last safety scored in the Egg Bowl? So when was the last time there was a safety in the Egg Bowl? What year was it? That's a great question. Borky, I, I see you think, and there's no way you know it. Okay. I'll just put it that way. There's no way. Because because safeties can come in so many different ways, you know? It's not
2: just they like can. tackling the running back in the end zone. It's a holding penalty. It's maybe a botched punt deep in your own d- –
1: that's tough. Yeah. Haven't gotten it yet, so we're and, still we're still looking for that answer. And you can't even really Google that either, can you? That's one that's tough to Google. Yeah, you got to you got to go through the uh, the box scores a little bit. How did you come up with that one? I just thought of it. When was the last time that happened? Because I knew it it was rare. I wonder when the last
2: kickoff return has been.
1: To twenty twelve, I knew that one. Twenty twelve. Who ran yeah, the kickoff was, back? Jameon Jamie on Lewis took back. Uh, Ole Miss scored, and Jameon Lewis returned the kick for a, uh, a touchdown.
2: Man, the highlights of that game uh, cracked me up because of how poor the stadium lighting Man. was at Ole Miss at that time. It looked like all they were playing these in the dark.
1: Answers. Yeah, all of these answers, and, and nobody's got it yet. People are just throwing out dates at this point. Yeah, there's, this no is idea. Gold. there it is. We got a winner. We got a winner what year we have a winner 1996 1996 it, uh, you know you got lucky you got lucky yeah. it was your third he might he might have known he might have known well if oh, he no, started he in he 2010 he did. 2008 yeah. Yeah. yeah okay i see now yeah he hit three but yeah 1996 is the answer uh eric brown tackled john avery in the end zone in a 17 nothing mississippi state win in oxford uh Two of the the, uh, the touchdowns that day. I'm trying to remember what the third one was, but uh, or scored offensively. or scored defensively. Wow. Uh, there was a the or not not two touchdowns. The the safety and the uh, there was a long fumble return with just a couple of minutes a couple of minutes left in the game by Kevin Sluter that put the game on ice. I, that game for me is notable for uh, for two reasons. One, it was my 21st birthday, so I spent my 21st birthday in Oxford. But two up 15 to nothing. Less than a minute to go. State scores on that that fumble return that I just mentioned, right? Not a lot of time left in the game. It's 15 to nothing. They're going to win the game. Jackie went for two. And then after the game was asked, coach, game was in hand, why'd you go for two? Well, that's what the chart said to do. <laughs> so He just decided to rub it in Tuberville's face and go for two and got it. 17 nothing was the final score. That's so, almost me, as uh, get cool our the quote as winner.
2: because I couldn't go for 3. From Woody Hayes.
1: Yes, that's a good one. Yeah. Good
2: stuff, though. Really, uh, really good stuff. Good questions today. Also, uh, we, we've you. added. By the way, I just got a message uh, from the boss. We've added uh, to the prize here. Uh, you get Richard Cross's phone number uh, as well. So congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Mike already has it. That doesn't. That's not a good gift for Mike uh 601-879-4395. Thank you to Gentile, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Uh you've got games coming up. They've got great polos with your team logo on it. Also winter wear. It's going to get cold kind of soon. They've got a great selection of that as well. Final segment with you right after this.
1: He is our uh, winner uh, of the second uh, polo. So two Ole Miss fans today, two Ole Miss Rebels getting genteel polos. They will look fantastic in the grove this year. Even Mike. And they were Mississippi State questions. That's right. <laughs> I, 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 set, I set my own people up for success. And they, and they didn't they come through. Come on, guys.
2: Uh, speaking of setting well, you know things what? up, you've got a show here that starts in about six minutes from right now.
1: I, I was I was prepared to just roast you. I, I, I was already like, he's no better than Cross. But you got it. Yes, Thunder and lo- hold on, hold on. Let me talk to you. It is Thunder and Lightning Live coming up next here on Super Talk Mississippi. The one true star in the Super Talk universe, Brian Haydad, Mississippi State Sports. We are days away from kickoff. What are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about football. You know that. Yeah. There we go. What about football?
2: Conference realignment?
1: You son of a...
2: Apparently, the uh, the ACC, by the way, apparently does not have the votes. So there you Uh, go. Yeah. Three seconds
1: dedicated to it. I I do want to talk about something that... It feels like as we get closer to kickoff, the national media are getting more negative about Mississippi State. Today, on Pardon My Take, Tom Fornelli from CBS Sports went on there and said, either Mississippi State and Vanderbilt will be the worst team in the conference by far. And it's like... How did, we, how did State get lumped in with Vanderbilt? So, I feel like they're getting more negative as we get closer. I, I, I don't know why. I don't know why. We're going to talk about that. So I haven't gotten to that part yet. I listened to about half of it today. I
2: haven't gotten to Fornelli yet. And didn't CBS just call Mississippi State the the underrated team? I know. Well, Dennis Dodd did. Oh, yeah, it wasn't him. That's right. Wait, isn't Fornelli yeah. the guy that said LSU was underrated? And
1: that him? Yes, that's your guy there. Oh Sam. well then never you know. That that's all you need to. He's he's the kind of guy who gets his Sunday gravy out of a jar.
2: <laughs> Can I order a shirt and charge it to Richard's account? Oh, you know he's he's got a line of credit there. Uh at all the stores that provide genteel apparel, Richard's got a charge account at each one, I promise.
1: I actually will be uh visiting the Gentile uh, offices tomorrow when I'm in Oxford and uh my new shipment of shirts is available and I'm going to yeah. go pick those up so when you see me tomorrow I'm going I'm going to be rocking a brand new uh, Gentile polo. Yeah, we'll be
2: there tomorrow in Oxford. Hey that night college corner, come by and uh, and see us. Come come check us out. We'll be there uh from 3 to 6 as always taking you into Florida and Utah, which I think starts like immediately after right what,
1: what is it 615 yeah it's, yeah it's 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 no i think it's 715 i think that would be because good we only miss mountain. about a quarter then quarter and a half Well, you will how are you how how, how where are you going
2: if it starts long, long it if it starts at talk? 715 yeah i'd miss about an hour and 15 minutes of football
1: okay so i should be i'll miss like Thirty minutes.
2: Oh wow, nice. Okay. Oh yeah, you're you're. It's yeah, an sometimes. easy drive for you.
1: It's like an hour and like an hour. I I do I do go the long way. I take six down to two, to forty five just because I like to drive four lane the whole way. I don't yeah. like getting stuck behind a log truck on Highway Nine. Which happens to me literally every time I go on Highway Nine, and then you never can so pass him. Like take, you
2: peek over, and there's just another oh, car no, there's coming. No,
1: there's always somebody coming. There's always somebody coming. So I take Forty Five and six, Highway Six. Shout out to Houston McDavid. He gave me that. Uh, he's like, if you don't if you don't like log trucks, take this. And I was like, this is the best thing ever. So uh, somebody
2: says they aren't trusting Coach Arnett's lack of a head coaching track record. No, Hayden's point though is that the like it's getting increasingly.
1: Negative, I guess. That, it's that, getting th- to the point where it's it's like they're almost crapping on them. It's almost like there's like it's not enough to say they're going to be they're going to struggle. It's like they're going to be down there with Vanderbilt. Like really,
2: for some reason, I'm still thinking that neither will finish last in the SEC.
1: No, you think Vanderbilt won't finish last? That's going to be tough. I, I would have agreed with you. I know. last watched last, them play last Saturday. It- Maybe down. I was
2: not impressed. I'm still thinking that the bottom of the West is going to be a combination
1: of Arkansas and Auburn. Just that, 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 that's how I voted it. That's how I voted it I, I mean Auburn. I feel like I have to preface it every time. It's like I think Auburn's going to eventually be really good with you freeze. Right? He's too good a coach. He'll recruit well. They'll get players. Yeah. But this year, they're just not ready. They'll beat somebody. They'll sneak up on somebody and get a win they shouldn't. But they are going to have issues in the West, and their East games are are their East games include Georgia, yeah. So that's 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 problems. You, know, you get Vandy, lucky them. State
2: fans stick around, Thunder and Lightning with Brian Haydad and Rhino is coming up uh, right now. So thank you guys so much for tuning in, making our show a part of your day. We'll be at College Corner in Oxford tomorrow at three o'clock for Richard, who's off today, and Brian Haydad. I'm Michael Borky. Stick around for more. Brian Haydat, see you guys tomorrow.